Hello, and welcome to episode 41 of the Hockey News on the Dub podcast, brought to you by BetMGM. I'm Carol Schramm, here with Adam Kurzenbott, as always, and on this spooky Halloween episode of the pod, uh, we'll dig into the first batch of draft rankings that have been released by NHL Central Scouting, debate who could comprise an all-WHL roster in the NHL right now. Uh, and then we've got our three stars of the week. The Seattle Kraken is our NHL team of the week, Adam's pick for the WHL game of the week, and then this week in uh, WHL history. And uh, the Seattle Kraken theme is going to go heavy all the way through this episode. So uh, to start things off, we're very happy to be joined by Everett Silvertip's blue, blue liner, uh, Caden Hamill, a late native of Langley, BC. Uh, he's a right shot defenseman who's now part of the Kraken organization after having been selected with the 148th pick in Nashville last June. So uh, thank you so much for taking the time to uh, join us today, Caden. Yeah, I appreciate you guys having me. Uh, let's start with that draft moment. What was that like? Can you take us through the experience of uh, what it was like to have your name called by the Kraken? Yeah, pretty surreal moment, obviously. Um, I mean, a lot of guys say that it kind of kind of just doesn't feel real, and that's honestly the best way to put it. Um, I wasn't actually at the draft. I was at my house with my family, so it was kind of a cool way to spend it. Um, obviously, yeah, getting your name called, uh, quite a feeling and just kind of all the emotions that run through your body is pretty insane but uh it's it's kind of what you you've been working for since you're a little kid so a pretty cool moment and just super uh super happy about it yeah now being from you know lower mainland fraser valley area you were part of this class that included some of your former youth hockey teammates like connor bedard zach benson and matthew wood uh, who went, went in the first round. So how special was it being part of this, you know, BC heavy uh, draft class? Yeah, it's super cool. I mean, guys like that, I grew up with them. Uh, I've known them for years, right? So super, super cool to see all all those names that I've played with for years go, go in the draft. And yeah, just super happy for them. Um, obviously, I've had a few conversations between all of them. And yeah, just kind of congratulations and and just so amazing to see all the hard work pays off, right? And do you feel like having that high level of competition in your age group as you were growing up helped you with your development as a player? Yeah, absolutely. Um, Vancouver Vipers, I was actually on uh, on a team with all all three of those guys who are on there that you named there. And I mean, we had quite a team and just just being able to play with players like that of that caliber and, and obviously competing against um, the same age group. It was a very strong, uh, like you said, draft class. Um, so I think, yeah, I mean, obviously there's health, healthy competition in between practices or whether it's games. And I think just playing with those guys definitely made me a better player. And hopefully they'd say the same. So, Were there any sort of um, tricks or habits that you might have picked up from them along the way? Um, I mean, a few guys, everybody kind of has their own type of game style, I guess you could say, right? So um for myself, I think you look at Connor, say Bedard. I mean, obviously his shot's fantastic. You look at the ways he he pulls the puck in or how he does that. And Benson's a guy that just reads the ice so well. I mean, you just try to learn from their their uh, strengths, I guess you could say, and, and try to add it to your game. Um, sometimes that's tough to do it as well as they do, but uh, you got to work on those. And, and it's super cool to look at the strengths and weaknesses between players, kind of pick that up off your, for your own game and, and work on those too. So, yeah, I mean, I, I definitely think that there's, there's things to pick up with, with players for sure. And, you know, one of your former teammates that you played with in uh, 
in youth hockey. And then in junior, Fraser Minton, uh, he's back with the Kamloops Blazers. So how excited were you to see him get that opportunity with the Toronto Maple Leafs? It's amazing. Yeah, no, I love Fraser. Uh, we've been buddies, obviously, going through, uh, like you said there, in West Van uh, Academy Hockey. We played played the year together, first year Bantam, um, and then he was on the U18 team, and I was going through my second year Bantam, but we still stayed pretty close. Obviously, his Western draft year was a year before mine, uh, so I was super pumped for him there. I ended up getting drafted to the same team as him um, in Kamloops. We got to spend two great years there together, um, and yeah, I think that we've we've gained a super good friendship between um, between those years. And I still talk to him today, and I, yeah, I was super pumped to see him uh, excel up there and have his time. And obviously, uh, he's back now, which which could be a little bit of pain. Now I gotta have to defend against him, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, super happy for him, and and uh, he's got a bright future ahead of him for sure. Um, when you were traded from Kamloops to Everett partway through last season, what was what was that adjustment like? What's it like playing in the U.S. for the first time compared compared to playing in Canada? Yeah, it's a little bit different, obviously. Um, going from different uh, countries, it's a little bit of a jump, but I've absolutely loved Everett. Um, everything around there is great. Um, obviously, I'm from Langley, so that's about an hour and a half away. So it's pretty pretty similar. Uh, terrain and stuff like that like it, it's pretty like trees and hills obviously and that's i love the bc um outdoorsy life i guess you could say so i get to enjoy that in everett as well and i mean the fan base is amazing uh i always like to say the best fan base in the western league and i i like to stand by that i honestly think that they bring it every night and it's been amazing i mean from uh from coaching staff to boys to to the way we play like I, i've really enjoyed it there so it's it's awesome and talking a little bit about the city of Everett, you know, whenever I go through there, you got to go visit the Funko head, uh, headquarters, big part of the Everett community. So have you had a chance to uh, go check it out or even built your own little mini uh, Kane Hamill yet? <laughs> I actually haven't been to Funko yet, which is kind of crazy. I drive by it almost every day and see it. Uh, I haven't been there. But uh, I definitely do want to stop there for a visit because I, I always see people in and out of there all the time. So I definitely should go there. But yeah, I can't believe I haven't been there yet. Uh, so if we were going to make a Caden Hamill Funko or uh, draw up sort of a diagram of, uh, of what you are as a player, how do you describe yourself as a defenseman? Like what, what are your strengths and uh, what was sort of the player that you modeled your game after growing up? Yeah, yeah. Um, I'd say, I mean, for myself, I just want to be the best two-way defenseman possible. Um, going into hopefully a pro role, I think that's kind of what I got to take up. Um, I just, I just got to be solid in all three zones. Uh, I think um, a player that I like to look at or watch, role model, you could say, would be Alex Petrangelo. I really like watching him. Um, obviously, he's a proven winner. He's won multiple cups, and you know, he's. Uh, He's, he's quite a player, quite a defenseman. So I think uh, strengths, I mean, I, I like to rely on my on my skating. And I think I got a pretty good IQ, uh, pretty good with my stick. Um, and weaknesses, honestly, I think everything. I think everything. You can never get too good at anything. So I think that uh, you just keep attacking that every day. Obviously, there's little things that I work on um, in practice and I really want to get get better at. But I don't think you can ever get too good at anything. So 
Now, want to take you a little bit before the season, you go to Seattle Kraken training camp and you get to have that opportunity, you know, with all the rookies, uh, guys like Lucas Dragasevic and Kane Price, you know, some of the other uh, players from the dub drafted in your draft year. So what was that experience like? And was there any homework that the Kraken kind of sent home uh, back to Everett that uh, they wanted you to specifically work on this season? Um. Yeah, I mean, going to Seattle, first of all, was amazing. Uh, the facilities there are unbelievable. Um, obviously, the the rookie group that I got to skate with in the, over the summer um, at rookie camp was awesome. Everybody there was great. And then going into uh, development camp and main camp, I mean, it was it was just awesome. Like, they, they treat you so well there. Um, all the staff, so helpful, uh, which, which is super cool. I mean, I, like... There's so many staff there too, so anything that you need, it's it's covered, and and uh, and then obviously going to skate with the pros uh, up in main camp, that that was awesome, an awesome experience as well. Super super uh, cool to experience that, and they were all so great too. I think going back into Everett, uh, the biggest thing would be just just like I said there, that, that two way game, keep developing that. Um, I still think that there's there's an offensive side of my game that I can find a little bit more of. Um, just just kind of making the right reads, maybe being a little more calm, patient with the puck, finding that uh, extra second to make the right play, stuff like that. Um, I think the jump's a big uh, physicality thing too. Obviously, bigger bigger boys up there or men, I should say. Um, so going up there, you obviously want to put some weight on, some muscle, uh, be able to play with that with that uh size i guess and uh yeah just the speed i'd say as well i mean that's another thing i found in the jump uh speed iq just just keep working on that stuff so uh, i saw on your instagram that i think it was during development camp that you guys got to go to the mariners game yeah we did and that was and an amazing experience as well yeah yeah like yeah. what was that the vip treatment and getting the uh the, <laughs> the unis and the cheers from the fans and all that stuff yeah, yeah, seriously. Well, they set us up with uh, with jerseys. Um, yeah, basically, we're, we were out on the field for a bit. Uh, we we were up in a suite there. Uh, got some got some merch. Got some Mariners hats. Yeah, it was pretty cool. It was an awesome experience. So, uh, yeah, yeah, it was great. <laughs> Taste of the pro life. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> uh, now you. We talk a little bit about, you know, the distance between Seattle and Everett. So can you talk a little bit about the advantage of having, you know, your pro team theoretically, what, 20 minutes, depending on traffic away from your home arena? Yeah, I mean, that that's another thing that was so huge. I mean, after getting drafted by them, right, um, you just think of that right away. I mean, it's I've been into Seattle now being in Everett for uh, for the however many months I've been there, uh, half, half, almost two halves of a season, I guess you could say since the, uh, since the trade, but I've been down there lots. It's like you said, it's about, uh, I mean, depending on traffic anywhere from 30, 45 minutes. Um, if you're going to Northgate, which is where the practice facility is, that's even closer. So that, that's a, that's a pro too. But, uh, yeah, I mean, obviously they get to watch me lots. Um, that, that was a talk that we had. They'll be uh, paying lots of attention. Um, so I, I think that would be the biggest pro of it all. I mean, 
um, being that close, you have almost like could be one of the staff members in my rink while I'm playing every night. Right. So uh, lots of eyes, uh, lots of evaluation uh, coming my way. And then honestly, anything I need, um, if I if I reached out, I'm, I'm sure they would uh, they would have no problem dealing with, too, which is awesome, which is super cool. I mean, it's not a long flight away or anything like that. Right. It's just a just a drive down the road. So pretty cool. That's great. Now the silver tips are off to a good start this season. You guys are seven, five and one so far. So uh, what would you say the keys to success have been for your team so far this season? Yeah, I think uh, going through uh, the season so far, I think it's just continuing to grow as a group. Um, I think that we're starting to, to really connect which is good. Obviously you want to try and do that as fast as possible at the start of the season. Obviously there's new guys in some guys out, uh, aging out or what, whatever that might be. So I think the biggest thing is just continuing to grow and, and becoming the, the strongest team possible. Everybody kind of finding their role and, and trying to play that as well as they can. And, and, uh, and yeah, I think that we, we continue to, to rip it up, I guess you could say. <laughs> And talking about players coming in and out, I saw that uh, Julius Miatinen was just named Rookie of the Week. So uh, you've had yeah. a little bit of time to uh, to see him in his first year over from Finland. So uh, what's the what's the inside scoop on Julius? Oh, he's an awesome guy. Yeah, yeah, brings lots of character. Uh, usually, obviously, the the change for a Euro to come over to the Western leagues a little hard, but I think that he's uh, he's mixed in really well. Um, his English is super good too, which is, which is a pro. Uh, but yeah, no, awesome kid. Um, it, it's been fun to play with him and it's going to be fun to continue playing with him over the next uh, two, three years. So. Yeah. And um, you know, before we let you go here, can you talk a little bit about playing in that angel of a uh, wins arena? This is, you know, Everett, they're always in the top five in attendance. They're the same this year as well. So just kind of like the atmosphere of stepping on that ice, you know, as a visiting player and now with them cheering you on. Yeah. So as a visiting player, um, I mean, we're the angel of the winds is well for the rinks I've been, I actually, yeah. Um, I don't know if any other rink does like the cowbell thing in the Western league. I, I don't think anyone does, but the cowbells are crazy loud. So as in, when I was on Kamloops coming into the angel of the winds, I was like, Whoa, first off. And, uh, and those years, I mean, Everett had a great team and Kamloops was a pretty good team that year too. We were, we were, we were both rolling teams. So it was a, it was a pretty big uh, battle when, whenever, Everett was coming to Kamloops or Kamloops was going to Everett. So they, uh, the, the attendance, like you said, obviously is always good, but I, I think it was a little extra good for those battles for sure. Um, but yeah, it's a loud, it's a loud arena, um, no matter what. And, uh, as a visitor, obviously those cowbells can get in your head a little bit. They, they, you start ringing a little bit, but, uh, <laughs> and, and then, and then the transfer over to when it's at home, it's like, that's home now. Like when I'm playing, it's like, that's home. Like, this is awesome. Like absolutely electric in the, uh, in the rink. And yeah, no, it's awesome. I mean, the fans are, are amazing and they're always, uh, always cheering us on as loud as they can and supporting us. And yeah, no, it's awesome. Uh, and I guess just our last question for you, Caden, um, as a BC kid, could you ever have imagined that your hockey future would be in Washington state and that, 
Washington would have this like evolving hockey culture that is uh, very quickly turning into like one of the great places to play and uh, within North America? Yeah, I mean, you never really know. Uh, as a kid, obviously, I would say, I mean, I'd probably be mind blown as a kid to 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 see where I am today. I guess you could say, like, it's a pretty cool uh, experience, and obviously, I want to keep blowing my own mind, hopefully, um, and hopefully, be be in the pros at at some point. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's kind of cool how it's worked out like that. Like you said, like Washington's a growing hockey state. Um, obviously Seattle's uh, a newer NHL team and uh and even Everett is I think it's 21 years old now so like they're they're a younger team I guess you could say in the Western League um but it's been super cool to kind of be a part of that growing atmosphere I guess you could say um and yeah no I'm just I'm super pumped that uh where I am is where I am and and yeah I'm I'm hoping for a bright future here so that's awesome. Well, thanks again for being so generous with your time for us today. We really appreciate it and love having you on. Uh, congrats again on the, being drafted by the Kraken and all your success with Everett. And uh, keep her going. We'll look forward to watching you for the rest of the year. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, guys. Thanks again to uh, Caden Hamill for coming on, joining us today and uh, sharing his thoughts on life in Washington State, whether it's in the WHL or the NHL. Uh, it was great to hear from him. I love uh, I love these interview segments with these players. Um, up next, uh, we're going to dig into headlines, and we're going to start by breaking down uh, NHL Central Scouting's Players to Watch list, which was uh, released last week and uh, full of WHL names. Yeah, so 63 players have been named to NHL Central Scouting's uh, player-to-watch uh, list um, early in the season here. Six players were given an A ranking, including uh, top 10 projected picks, Spokane Chiefs forward uh, Berkeley Ken, and a uh, friend of the show, Ryder Ritchie, who plays for the uh, Prince Albert Raiders. So all 22 teams were represented on the list, with Spokane leading the way uh, with six. But it, it, this is a pretty cool year because the WHL was the leader among CHL clubs. They had one more than the OHL, which at OHL had 62. So that's not something that you usually see just because of the amount of players and amount of scouts that are in Ontario. And then the Q had uh, 36. So great to see that WHL representation that they're at the top of the list this year. Um, yeah, and after uh, the WHL had such a strong season last year, it's nice to see that that's continuing on as well, that it wasn't kind of a one-off all based on one certain superstar whose name we'll try to maybe get the under under like 20 mentions today. But uh, we'll see We'll see how it goes. So congrats to all the guys that made it to the list. Um, and speaking of, um, of just WHL success in general, um, while there was some shuffling in the CHL top 10 rankings this week, um, Portland lost three straight, so uh, they slipped down to number four from the top spot. Um, so Halifax is now in first place, but Moose Jaw and Prince George both, both moved up, so they're number two, number three, and uh, that means the WHL teams are off, um, occupying three of the top four spots, and uh, Saskatoon is also hanging in there at, uh, at number seven, so a good showing uh, generally from the WHL teams. Um, as far as the central scouting rankings, was there anybody who surprised you with their ranking, maybe higher or lower that you expected or any name that you thought you would see on the list and you didn't? Well, I'm really happy to see Jan Spoonar make the list, uh, even if he is, um, I, 
they classified as a W, which is like that sixth to seventh round pick. But I was really interested to see uh, Prince George Cougars, uh, Tarek Parasak as a B ranking. And, you know, he has 17 goals through 14 games like that. It's clear that, you know, he has talent and that he that scouts are going to like him. But remember, he hasn't played 20 games in his WHO career yet. So I was a little bit curious about that. You know, if he was an A ranking, that would have shocked me. B, I'm like, okay, I get it. Because I was, you know, just talking around to uh, different people. Like, there, there's this there's this interest around him because obviously he's scoring at a like unbelievable clip for a player who's never played at the WHL before. But, you know, a lot of these scouts and a lot of these player or a lot of these players have been scouted for two, three years playing in the WHL. So just comparing somebody who's been in the WHL for a short time and had success compared to a player who's, you know, had an extra whole year, an extra, you know, 60 70 games to be evaluated it's just interesting how the list uh kind of broke him down yeah the analogy that i would give there is um sort of how i assess ahl goaltenders when they come up and play their first nhl game or games um especially if they've been around for a little while it seems like they can often do really really well off the top but then as soon as the other teams start to get more of a read more of a scouting report on on what they're all about then uh, their numbers a lot of the time end up coming back to earth. And uh, we saw that a little bit last week in Washington with uh, with Hunter Shepard as another example of, of my theory playing out the way that I, I tend to think that it does. Um, so I wonder if Parasak is going to be in a similar situation where once goalies get more of a sense of sort of what tricks he has up his sleeve, um, the goals might not come as easily. Or he might just be on one of those crazy PDO heaters where his shooting percentage is through the roof and the hockey gods are smiling on him so uh yeah like his his stats are you know if that's sustainable then he will be an a rating by the end of the year but um it's you know he's got a tough tough task ahead of him to keep this up um i was blown away when i looked when i was looking at julius mietten and his rookie of the week and realizing that parasak has already been rookie of the week three or four times um so just for anybody else to even get their name in there seems like a huge accomplishment um, now, the next thing we wanted to talk about today was a uh, article that you put up on uh, on THN.com slash WHL over the weekend, um, looking at active WHL alums in the NHL and trying to put together your optimal roster. And uh, it was, uh, I guess it was like an easy exercise and a difficult exercise because your roster is stacked. But there's also so many guys that you ended up having to leave out or put into roles that are maybe a little bit lower than where they uh, would normally slot even on their own NHL team. So uh, you want to talk a little bit about the the process that you went through and some of the hardest decisions that you made? Well, yeah, like you look at I, the fourth line is Matthew Barzell, Sam Reinhardt and Brendan Hagel. Like, I, you know, I think teams would be happy if all three of those guys were on their second line. But, you know, it, it's a fun exercise. Uh, obviously, I didn't turn on the salary cap for this because, <laughs> uh, it, like, you know, it, it's just, it, it's an optimal lineup, like, if there was no salary cap type situation. But, you know, you can have a little bit of fun with this. Like, I have an old Portland line. Um, like, I just felt like, even though they played in Portland at different times, like, you know, they can share in that, uh, in that, uh, agreement or that uh, that mutual uh, pass that they have. I have what I call the Selkie line with you know Braden Point and Mark Stone. 
the Oilers line switching Connors. Like, I, I think that, you know, Leon Dreisett or Ryan and Hopkins, as good as McDavid is, uh, I don't think they'd be too disappointed if they had to switch him for Bedard. Uh, but the defense was actually kind of the hardest because when you're looking at it, the left side for WHL, former WHLers, WHL alum, is actually a lot stronger than the right side. So I do have, you know, Morgan Riley playing on his off wing or offside. And it was like between Josh Morrissey or Morgan Riley. Like, and I was just like, well, I'll just put one of them there. Like, neither of them have experience, but you have to make them that. That has to be like your first pairing, basically, because yeah. otherwise, like, I didn't want to take away Shea Theodore and Brian McNabb together. And uh, Brandon Carlo and, and Sanheim, I just feel like, is like that ideal line. So, you know, somebody had to play on the wrong side. Morgan Riley uh, gets there. but And then, you know, you look at the goaltending. Everybody's so close, whether it's Aiden Hill who wins the Stanley Cup last year. Tristan Jari, who seems to only get wins when he gets shutouts this season. Uh, or Carter Hart, who is behind the uh, surprising Philadelphia Flyers uh, resurgence. Uh, which I don't think many people uh, predicted after what happened last year. So there were some tough decisions. Uh, you know, I, I think with these lists, it's best to just write them out and leave them because if you if you write them out and then say, oh, I'm going to go sleep on it, then it's just going to cause more headaches. It's just yeah. put out what you think on the first go. Uh, and then if there's any like massive omissions, then then you can be like, okay. But I think that when you're playing the game of like, should this player be there or this player in like a fourth line role? I think just go with your first instinct is, uh, is the best, uh, policy. Yeah. I, um, I guess the, the biggest thing that jumped out at me in your forward group is, um, if I'd been, if I'd been making the list, I might've tried to make a captain line. Um, because, uh, you, you skewed, I guess a little bit young in your forward choices because you left four NHL captains completely off your roster. Um, <laughs> Jamie Ben, Braden Shen, Adam Lowry, Michael Backlund, uh, all revered leaders within their organizations and you have no time for them. <laughs> I have Mark Stone, so that's a captain. Oh, that's true. Um, and Adam I did Lowry. actually like the way that you grouped your uh, the the way that you grouped your lines together. I thought the Selkie line made sense. I thought the Portland line was fun. I would have maybe put the Barzal line as like this into the top six as the second line and made the Selkie line into the third line. But yeah, it was just crazy as I was going through names and realizing that um, that four captains got overlooked. That um, you know that's sort of how deep the 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 pride and integrity of Western Canadian hockey flows into uh, into the WHL world. Um, also, a lot of right-siders um, on the back end uh, that, that you slipped over as well. Damon Severson, Jared Spurgeon, Bowen Byram, Ryan Pulak, even former Calder Trophy winner Tyler Myers, Luke Shen, Ivan Provorov on the left side. Like, you know, you, you had some choices there as well. I, I might not have put Brown and Carlo in, but uh, that's just me. Um, well, nevertheless, Brandon I think Carlo... it was a real... Oh, go ahead. Sorry. I'm going to defend the Brandon Carlo thing because okay. I had Bowen Byram in there. And then I was like, okay, I don't like Sanheim and Carlo as a pairing together. I don't think that they would work. So oh, you mean Sanheim I, and Byram? Yeah, I, I didn't like, sorry, I didn't like Sanheim and Byram because I was like, I had Byram in there. Yeah. and But then I was like, oh, but I need like a more defensive like guy that can play like that first penalty kill. And that's where I came up. Ryan Pulak as well. Uh, uh, but like when I was looking at the numbers and maybe it's like the fact that Carlo plays on Boston and Pulak plays on the Islanders and the Islanders haven't been off to like 
the strongest start. Uh, maybe that was uh, it played into, but I did fall. I think I fell victim a little bit to overthinking using the like numbers, like expected goals against Corsi, things like that. Uh, so yes, but I I did I did flip flop that last pair of defensemen quite a lot. I will say. Yeah. Um, yeah, Seth Jones is another name that you could have slotted in on the right side who uh, probably would be just fine as a penalty killer if you wanted to use him there. Uh, but um, anyways, I loved the exercise. I thought it was super fun, really enjoyed the article. And um, thinking that at some point later in the season, we should do it again with um, with retired players. And even if we have to break it down decade by decade, we could compare like the best WHLers from the 2000s to the best WHLers from the 90s or something like that and sort of see how those rosters stack up against uh, against today's guys. I feel like we're pretty much at peak WHL right now, and that is no slight on the uh, amazing WHL alums that have come through. Um, again, it was cool to see the, the D that strong when you see have a guy like Shea Weber who's recently retired or Sedano Chara. Like, they, you know, we don't even need them. Um, we still have perfectly good defense. Or, uh, or, you know, in Vancouver, Alex Edler, one of the best yeah. shot blockers uh, in the NHL last couple of years. Absolutely. All right, let's leave that there for now. If you want to see the full article again, now you can find that on Adam's WHL page at the Hockey News website, thn.com slash WHL. Now let's move on to our three stars of the week, uh, and we will start in Kamloops, the former home of Caden Hamill. Our third star of the week is a homegrown, undrafted 20-year-old right winger, D Dylan Sidor. <laughs> Yeah, so, you know, you just talked about former WHLers that could make up a old NHL lineup. Son of Daryl Sador, I'm pretty sure he would uh, he would be on there. Well, it depends if we use his WHL numbers or NHL numbers, but still um, pretty uh, successful career for his dad. And um, yeah, second generation Blazer. So that's always cool to see when you know WHL players can play for the team that their dad played for, their uncle or somebody like that. So uh, he was a goal machine this week, uh, scored in all four games that the Bla Blazers played in and had six total. So uh, he's uh, up to 10 goals in 15 games, which is just off uh, two off of his career high. So definitely a player that's been stepping up in uh, Fraser Minton's uh, absence while he's been in Toronto. But now that Fraser is uh, back, uh, we'll get to see if him and uh, Sador can uh, find some magic uh, together for the Blazers this year. Awesome. Uh, for our second star, we're going back to Washington State. Uh, the Wenatchee Wild are still getting things done, and uh, you've picked their goalie, Daniel Hauser, as your second star this week. Yeah, so Daniel Hauser, 3-0 uh, and uh, since we recorded our last episode, um, faced 118 shots over the last three games and allowed just five goals and also recorded a second shutout of the year when uh, Wenatchee uh, beat Kelowna on Saturday night. So it, this is really interesting because Daniel Hauser is actually uh, potentially going to make history this weekend. He's one win off of the Wenatchee Wild slash Kootenai Ice slash Winnipeg Ice uh, franchise record of 85, which is uh, um, a pretty special moment for any player in the WHL that not only, especially with goaltenders, that not only do they get to play long enough to set a franchise record, but just be in that like elite company. So uh, we'll be interested to see. He, they play the Giants and the Royals this weekend. If he plays both of those games, uh, I think that there's a pretty good chance that he uh, 
that he sets the record, I guess would tie the record and potentially pass the record because he's just been on fire this year. He's definitely a, you know, two-time WHO first team all-star in the East, uh, definitely trending towards uh, being that first team all-star in the U.S. division this year. Awesome. And then uh, for our first star this week, we do go back out East. Um, even though I see the word Seattle Kraken, my brain just totally went sideways on me there because uh, this player is a prospect of the Seattle Kraken, continuing our Kraken theme of the week theme for this week. Um, but uh, in his WHL identity, he uh, plays right wing for the Moose Jaw Warriors. And all Jagger Furkus does these days is score and score and score. Yeah, the Furcus Circus, as he's called, is in a full swing with six goals in his last four games. Uh, he's also on a six-game goal streak. So, I mean, he's he can't be stopped. He's scoring power play goals. He scored a shorthanded goal against uh, Prince Albert on Sunday. Uh, you know, he's popping goals in. Like, I pop uh, mini donuts in when I go to the circus uh, uh, every year. So, it's very exciting uh, to watch him play and... <laughs> I mean, at this uh, at this point, how can you not include him on Team Canada in uh, the next couple of weeks at the World Juniors? Yeah, he's 19 too, so this will be his last chance to uh, to crack that roster. And I don't know, even though I think the O5s are going to be pretty well represented when we see that preliminary uh, preliminary roster release. Um, if I was the GM, I would still be wanting to make sure that the 19 year olds kind of get priority, at least for camp invites. Um, to make sure that if um, if they are in a position to help the team and uh, have the opportunity to shoot up suit up in their last uh, last opportunity in their last uh, opportunity before they age out that they can do so. So um, Fergus's heroics are a perfect transition here to our NHL team of the week. Um, again, congrats to you for getting a Kraken player in Caden Hamill as our guest in Seattle team of the week week. I am super impressed that you pulled that off. So thank you and. Uh, with Hamill and Fergus and others, the uh, Kraken have quickly established a rich connection to the WHL. Fergus was their uh, second round pick in 2022 and uh, is up to, I guess, 28 points now in 14 games this season. Um, very much a uh, important part of Moose Jaw climbing up to the top of the Eastern Conference standings over the last week. Um, and uh, you had him highlighted in your uh, October... WHL awards prediction piece that went up on the website, I think today as well. Yeah. So um, I looked at all of the awards. This will be an ongoing thing throughout the year at the end of every month, uh, whether that's, you know, player of the year, defenseman, uh, working that way down. So uh, yeah, Jagger was definitely um, my pick for the uh, uh, play, the four Broncos, the early front runner for the four Broncos. Now, it's going to be interesting to watch as we meant, as you know, we mentioned the world juniors. So it's, he's not, if he does make that world juniors team, it's about 10 games that he misses. Like uh, it's in that area. It depends on, you know, when they go and all that type of stuff. So it'll be interesting to see his point total when you minus 10 games. Uh, obviously, you know, well, I guess last year is a bad example because Bedard just set the league on fire regardless. But like, I could see, you know, a player like, uh, Andrew Crystal or Zach Funk, somebody who might necessarily not make Team Canada. I think Andrew Crystal will get an invite, but um, you know, I, like I think that we might. This might be one of those years where you see a player that didn't win the scoring title win Player of the Year just because their numbers are insane uh, while they're in the league. 
And I hope that the voters take that into consideration if he does go to the World Juniors and misses that time of uh, the year, because I really think that he's going to be this year's player of the year. All right. And um, when you mentioned Bedard, too, I think part of what made his year so special is the fact that he came back like leveled up after world juniors that he was like twice the player that he was before he even went, if that even seemed possible. So again, as much as I don't think that Bedard is uh, the standard that Fergus or anybody else should have to match in order to be player of the year this year. Um, I do think that any player that can do that, that can springboard off of a good world juniors showing and bring that level back to the WHL and, and, and raise his game, even that extra level that, should count in voters' minds as much as, like you said, you know, what the final point totals are and, and could be something that would help somebody who isn't necessarily in first place in the scoring race. So uh, we'll see how that goes. I have one other Fergus note before we move on. Um, when I spoke to Braden Yeager last week for a magazine story that's coming up, um, I asked him what uh, what was going on with Fergus since they are line mates and power play partners often. And he really identified something really specific in, in what he's seen as in the uh, development evolution of Fergus's game and he said that um he really has developed the ability to pickpocket opposing players on the forecheck so he can get in there, go in the corner, come out with the loose puck. And not only is he winning those battles, even though he's not the biggest guy, but he also knows where all his teammates are on the ice as he's doing it somehow with the eyes he has in the back of his head that go through his helmet. So the minute that he's coming out of the corner with the puck, he's able to make really fast plays and get the puck onto the sticks of his teammates so that they can create quick strike opportunities for goals. And, um, Jaeger is no slouch in terms of hockey IQ himself, and he said that he's blown away by how good Fergus has gotten at that particular element of the game and how much that has um, has contributed to the offensive success that they've had, whether it's at five on five or on the power play. So um, something to keep an eye on next time you uh, tune in for a Moose Jaw Warriors game. I thought that was cool. Um also with the Seattle Kraken, now we'll turn to their 2023 draft where, as we mentioned briefly with Caden, they took three Western Conference defensemen this past June in Nashville. So uh, let's start with uh, with Lucas Dragasevic from Tri-City, who was the uh, highest of the three, taken with the 57th pick. Yeah, and Lucas Dragasevic, we talked about it last year. This was a high-risk, high-reward type player, you know, uh, right-shot defenseman. He has good size, but he's more of an offensive defenseman like he played forward and he transitioned to the defense because he thought that he could affect the game a little bit more and I mean he had uh 75 points in 68 games last year so obviously he knows how to put the puck in the back of the net from the blue line but this year um there's a little bit of a difference to his game you know he hasn't really been that offensive like that strong offensive player yet he's not you know putting up points at a staggering amount and I was curious, so I looked back and I watched some of his game, and you can tell that it was either Seattle or he decided that he was going to focus more on the defensive game this year and become, you know, that strong or all-around player. So even though he might not be putting up the points, this is really positive for his development that he's working on that defensive side of his game, working on that physical side of his games. Because we all know, like, if you're talented and you're talented offensively, you're going to be able to put up points. But if you can show that you can play in the defensive zone, that's going to make you a better player over time. So that's great to see uh, from Dragasevic's point of view. Definitely. Um, second on the list was uh, left shot defender Caden Price, who went from Kelowna to Seattle in the third round of the draft. 
Yeah, so um, I'm really excited about what Kane Price could do, especially now that he has, you know, a stronger Kelowna Rockets team around him. Like, this is a player who is really strong on the breakout, good two-way game, uh, can be that playmaker from the point. So listed at six foot one, 190 pounds, he has good size. He can play physical if he wants. He can separate players from the puck, and he's already up to 11 points in uh, eight games uh, so far this season. So, you know, you see the benefit of playing with guys like Crystal, playing with guys like Aginla, uh, Goychek, um, Michael Chichek, who is just off to a fantastic start down there, or uh, uh, Gabriel Stutz. Like, you know, this Kelowna team is really kind of helping each other collect points uh, and making each other look good. If, if I guess that makes sense at the WHL level. So really great to see that price is off to a good start. Uh, and he's a major part of that Kelowna team. Um, so uh, I'm excited to see kind of how his game develops over the next year or two um, in, at the WHL level. Uh, and then finally from this list, we have uh, our guest today, right-handed defenseman Caden Hamill, who was taken with the 148th pick by Seattle. Yeah, I mean, Hamill, I, I really liked him going into the draft. Uh, you know, strong two-way game. He really got an opportunity to, when he when he moved from Kamloops to Everett, you could really see that he took every opportunity that was given to him. You know, Kamloops is a stacked offensive team. So when he moved to Everett, you know, he was getting more power play time. He was getting more penalty kill time, and he was thriving in those roles. He was really producing. So it uh, it's really good to see that he's taken that opportunity and obviously Seattle recognized that and uh, took him uh, in the draft last year. Uh, I also really liked his forthrightness when he was talking to us about, uh, you know, what he feels he needs to work on and how, uh, you know, there, there are always weaknesses and you can never, never be a complete package. I thought that was a really good uh, mental approach to have to where he's at in terms of his development arc, especially. So, uh, um, you know, good kid, good talker and uh, hoping for all the best for him going ahead this season. Um, as far as the AHL level, uh, Seattle's farm team in Coachella Valley has four players with WHL ties. Yeah, so Regina Pats defenseman Riker Evans, AHL all-rookie team last season. Um, and, you know, it's really great to see Riker thriving because there were people who thought, okay, he's been able to point be a point producer with Bedard. Like, you know, it's kind of hard to not be a point producer with Bedard in junior. But to see him kind of squash that narrative of like, no, 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 I can do it with anybody. I can do it at any level. That's great. And I understand that Seattle, why he's in Coachella Valley. I don't agree with it because it has to do with contracts and all that type of stuff. But I think that he deserves an opportunity uh, definitely this season. And then another player, Cole Lind, he's got some opportunities with Seattle. But last year, league high 31 points during their uh, run to the Calder Cup overtime game seven. Uh, and then you look at some of the other players, Kootenai Ice uh, defenseman Kale Fleury and Calgary Hitman uh, goaltender Chris Dreger. So a good mix of WHL players in that uh, Coachella Valley lineup. And then, of course, at the NHL level, there's uh, three Seattle forwards who have WHL roots. Jordan Eberle, of course, the uh, Regina Pats legend. Oliver Bjorkstrand, who uh, was on your, uh, your Portland line. Yes, um, he was with Seth Jarvis and Ryan Johansson. Yeah, so uh, he he spent his time with the Winterhawks when he came over from Denmark in 2012. And then, of course, we've got the native Washingtonian, Kyler Yamamoto, uh, played with the Spokane Chiefs, where he grew up before uh, 
signing on with the Kraken as a free agent this year. So uh, that concludes our very elaborate Seattle Kraken Team of the Week segment for uh, for this week's podcast. Now we've got a couple more things to hit up before we let you go today. So uh, let's do uh, Game of the Week. Uh, last week's game of your selection turned out to be an overtime thriller with uh, Wenatchee uh, getting better of Everett by a 4-3 score. Uh, there's a full recap of that game up now on Adam's website at thn.com slash WHL. Uh, what's your game to watch this weekend? Yeah, so I'm going with uh, Portland versus Lethbridge. And, you know, this is a t- this is a going to be like a battle of some of the better defensive teams and the top two goalies uh, so far in the uh, season with uh, Jan Spoonar for the uh, Portland Winterhawks and then Harrison uh, Menigan for Lethbridge. Uh, who was my pick for the uh, goaltender of the year in my predictions article. But both of them received a W ranking, so that's exciting to see. Um, I'm really interested to watch this game because it's going to be a chess match. Like, both of these teams are good defensively, and, you know, Portland is kind of on a little bit of a slump. So by the time they get to Lethbridge, we'll see kind of where they are. Uh, But that's on Saturday night. Um, I'm just... It's one of those, it's kind of like the game last week where, you know, it's like, who's going to flinch first? Like, is the offense going to flinch first or the defense going to flinch first? Um, and like, I could totally see this game being like a one nothing overtime game. Like the, these two goalies have been that good this season uh, so far. So uh, it's just going to be, it's just one of those games that like, like I said last week, where if you like hockey and you like kind of like the, just the game of hockey like you don't matter it doesn't matter if it's a high scoring game you just like watching two teams battle it out this is definitely going to be the game to watch okay so that's portland in lethbridge on saturday night adam says be there watch that game uh now we will do our final segment for this week which is this week in whl history uh and uh, adam's going to take us back to just over a year ago on October 29th, 2022, the Winnipeg Ice slash now the Wenatchee Wild uh, acquired defenseman Graham Sward from Spokane. Yeah, so, uh, you know, relating it back to that article of predictions, uh, Sward is my choice for defenseman of the year as of right now. Um, why? Well, he has 24 points through 13 games and no other defenseman in the league has 20 points. Uh, now this trade... Um, in exchange, uh, the Chiefs received four picks, which included a first rounder. Uh, they used that to uh, draft goaltender Carter Easler. Um, and then they also got a uh, Jarena Brinson, who uh, actually was recently moved uh, to Regina. But I mean, Sword has been everything that the Winnipeg Ice hoped for last year and the Wenatchee Wild hoped for this year. Um, you know, he helped them make that WHL final, he's been a leader on that team. He's been a point producer on that team. He really fits in that mold of like both both styles, like Winnipeg Ice style and the Wenatchee uh, Wild style. Wild style, <laughs> uh, but like I, I just think that this was a home run move. Um, you know, Spokane got. We'll see what Spokane does with those draft picks because we haven't seen any them use the draft picks yet. Like there's a 2024, 2025, but those are later round picks. Um, but I think that if you're the Wild, you have to be happy with the. Uh, return that you got for uh, Graham Sward. Excellent. Uh, So that is uh, where we will leave it for this week. 
Uh, thank you, as always, for tuning in. Thanks to Caden Hamill for joining us and chatting with us. Of course, if you haven't done so already, please make sure you subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. And uh, as I've mentioned 300 times already in this episode, check out Adam's WHL section on our website at thn.com slash WHL. He's putting up new content every day. You can review that uh, all-WHL roster. I'm sure he would love it if you argue with him in the comments section uh, or tweet at him with your various thoughts and opinions on that. Uh, we can keep the keep the opinions rolling on that for a while. Are there some Seth Jones supporters out there who uh, might want to plead his case? I don't know if there's somebody else. Uh, anyways, uh, lots of good content there, so make sure you visit. And uh, don't forget to tune in. Uh, this Saturday for that game of the week between Portland and Lethbridge to check out past episodes of the show and all the others from our THN podcast family, go to the hockeynews.com slash podcast and uh, take care, enjoy the hockey and uh, we'll see you next week.